We have a God that works in an abounding way in every, in every aspect of his interaction with mankind and just in every part of his working. And it's such a joy for us to be able to know as believers that we can participate in that abounding work. And the blessings of that are great. Uh, when you think about God's blessings, I love the child's description of an elevator. I got into this little room and the upstairs came down. <laughs> and for us as believers, when we get into the room of God's will, and when we are by faith trusting his word and uh, are willing to do what he wants us to do, heaven comes down and glory fills our soul. And God wants us to be used in a wonderful way in the lives of many others. In Iowa, a while back, there was a storm that had flooded out a major city there, and people were gathering their goods to save what they could. And one of the policemen there saw a little boy uh, that touched his heart. He was carrying another little boy on his shoulders all the while trying to carry goods and luggage and everything else. The policeman went over to help the boy and said, my, you're trying to do too much. Uh, you've got all these bags and then you've got that boy on your shoulders. It's too much weight for you. It's too heavy. The little boy looked at the policeman and said, he ain't heavy. He's my brother. <laughs> and so as we think of the great privilege of being part of partnering in the ministry, Honestly, when the Spirit of God is working and the abundant blessings of God begin to come and we begin to have our eyes opened as to what God has allowed us to participate in with Him, all of a sudden we realize this is not a heavy burden. He's my brother. This is my privilege. Those are servants of the Lord that I'm partnering with. And we certainly see that in the personal testimony here given by the Apostle Paul under inspiration of Philippians chapter 4. If you'll turn there with me, <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4, we've been looking now for a couple of weeks at this uh, uh, section. And let me just read quickly up to the context, uh, then we'll get right into the one verse that is our text for today. In verse 10, please, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. 
We're going to be looking here for these last minutes here this morning at verse 18. And we see here the testimony of the Apostle Paul as he has shown that he is rejoicing not in the fact of their giving to him, but he sees God's hand again in their lives and their sensitivity to the leadership of God and their willingness, no matter how great the sacrifice, to do what God had led them to do. And so first of all, we see the blessing for the cause. There is a great blessing when we get involved into the cause of Christ. And he speaks here of his need being met. God's servants' needs were fully met by the obedience of God's people. Back at the beginning of verse 18, but I have all in abound. I think he's speaking not only of how God has met his needs in the past, but we'll see here in in the next phrase that he's speaking of how his needs there in prison in Philip in uh, Rome uh, were now being fully uh, met by the sacrifice of these dear people who in who themselves were part of a very depressed area there in the northern part of Macedonia. But I just want to say a very important point here for those who serve the Lord. Let me just say when you're in the will of God. God will always meet your needs. That's what Paul is letting them know. He's rejoicing. Now, he's very thankful for their sakes and for his sakes that God is moving again because he was in a very deprived state there in that Roman prison. But he was also rejoicing in the fact that God promises to meet our needs and he will. Over the years, God's people have seen that In fact, the very basics of the model prayer, the outline that God, the Lord Jesus gave to his disciples starts with, uh, such as Luke 11, 3, give us day by day our daily bread. Now, let me just say, folks, one of the keys to being able to be a servant that's willing to do whatever God wants you to do is that firm faith that God will never let you down. God will meet your daily need. One of the things that missionaries will mention over and over on the field, especially in more difficult third world settings, that when Christians dedicate their lives to the Lord, many of them become very gospel oriented and sacrifice much for the sake of the gospel, that in every case, God meets their needs. It's just a, a great encouragement because a first world missionary looks at the situation of third world servants of the Lord and obviously are going to be concerned when they can't work their farmland or there's different other issues. But what a comfort to see that God abundantly takes care of his servants when they are serving the Lord. Back in the Depression days, a pastor's wife relates how uh, in the early 30s, her husband pastored a small country church, and they had three little children. And many times their weekly income was less than $10 a week. One time they found that they were out of bread, just about out of everything. They only had some rancid bacon grease for shortening. And uh, she said, I used it, however, uh, in making hot biscuits, and we managed to have some of them for lunch. Later, as we put the biscuits on the supper table, the little five-year-old girl gave the blessing. Dear Jesus, 
Help us to eat these biscuits or else send us something better. <laughs> Amen. She was strong about it. Well, later that evening, the doorbell rang. And there at the door uh, stood a member of the church who had a bakery route. Before we could tell him our story, he began unloading his large bakery basket with all kinds of tempting sweet rolls, buns, biscuits, and also dark and white bread. He said, you know, and he's, he was apologetic about it. He said, I was tired tonight and seven miles out here seemed so far. I was tempted to wait till tomorrow evening and bring these bakery things on the way to the prayer meeting as I have done before. Then he added, but I was strongly constrained to come tonight. Hope you can use these things. <laughs> That's just what God does. And let me say, folks, when we are not willing to trust the Lord to serve him, we're not willing to give as we ought. We miss out on seeing the hand of the Father. That's how your faith gets strengthened. You step out of self-dependence into biblical faith and dependence according to the Word of God and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You begin to see the divine work of God in your life. And for us as Americans, this is one way for us to see the provision of God. And the apostle was very thankful about that. And, uh, and here we... We see people used to meet those needs. So many testimonies can be given. George Mueller praying <clears throat> at a breakfast table with no food, praying for God to bless the food that, that would miraculously come for all those orphans. And as he finished praying, a knock on the door, and there was food there at the door. These are the kinds of illustrations that God's people can give over and over. But you know, the thought is, well, that's not going to happen to me. I dare you to trust God. To serve him with all of your heart. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to trust the economy of our day, and I'm certainly not going to trust um, all of the different uh, powers that be today. I would much rather trust my God. And so I encourage you uh, to keep that in mind. Also, as we think of, of the blessing here, God's servants are encouraged by God's goodness when we do what we ought to do. Obedient giving is used mightily by God. 1 Corinthians 16, 17, the Apostle Paul here says, I'm glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Archaicus, for that which was lacking on your part they have supplied, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. They had brought provision, and though Paul never solicited that or expected it, he saw it as provision from whom? God Almighty. But you see, God uses his people to provide for the work that God has to reach this world with the truth of the gospel. And uh, it's a glorious thing. And it is so encouraging for God's servants to sense the love of God uh, in this matter. And for Paul, especially there in the prison, one day a single friend asked a father of four, why do you love your kids? The father thought for a minute, but the only answer he could come up was, because they're mine. <laughs> well, the children had no need to prove anything to their father. He took them just as they were. Aren't you glad? He is, I am his and he is mine. He is my father. And he 
has such love, especially for those serving him. And we can trust him. And there is something, folks, there is such a joy when you're doing what God wants you to do and you're willing to sacrifice and you're willing to give of yourself and then God intervenes. At those moments, you just can sense the very love of God for you. When we just take care of ourselves and do what we want to do, we really wonder, where's God? And you know, folks can get upset with God. Where is he? He hasn't done anything for me. Well, it's a little hard sometimes to counsel that kind of attitude. My friend, he loves you and he's ready to work, but you've got to trust him. And so this was a time in which Paul definitely, you, you note here, Epaphroditus coming, this showed him the love again of the Father. You know, even though he'd been saved so long, here he was standing for God in the ministry. Do you think he still needed that reinforcement? Absolutely. And I'm telling you, there are, uh, there, uh, are so many things that are accomplished when we're faithful in our giving to encourage the heart of others. And then our second major point here today is the blessing that comes for the consecrated, those that are willing to uh, totally serve the Lord. Those who uh, are willing to sacrifice and give become co-laborers with God's servants. You know, you look at uh, different folks that are involved in ministry or what we call full-time they're simply leading out with the giftings that they have to involve all of us in the ministry. But the one sweet thing about giving and being sensitive to what God wants us to be involved in is we become co-laborers and really strategic part of the whole plan of God for the ministry in cooperation with those uh, people. Uh, Philippians 2.25, yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow servant, sol uh, soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants, that which I lacked. And so he saw Epaphroditus who had come from Philippi. You look at a map, that was a long trip in ancient days. He had come to minister on behalf of the Philippian church to the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul saw him as a fellow soldier. He saw those people as fellow laborers with him in the great work that he was doing. Now, the Philippian people, as I mentioned last week, saw how strategic Paul's ministry was. They wouldn't have had a church, was it not for his faith and for his team that had come and put their lives on the line literally. They had been even beaten there in that very city for the cause of Christ. And they knew the sacrifice of the Apostle Paul and they realized now their city was being affected. And then he went to Berea and then to Thessalonica. In fact, the work in Thessalonica sounded out all over Macedonia, down into Achaia, the bond. Uh, bottom part of the Grecian Peninsula and all over the known world. It was an amazing thing. There you can see how far from Rome Philippi is. And that whole region had been affected by the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And they got it. Isn't it thrilling to be part of the work of God? Tonight we're going to be ordaining a man that is endeavoring to reach the Persian-speaking people around the world. And we're the home church, and we have the privilege of partnering. 
and giving. That's why giving here in this ministry is important uh, for this man who is literally going to put his, his, his life and his family's life on the line, heading in just a couple of weeks to Turkey to start a ministry there and to serve the Lord. Folks, this is, uh, this is what it's all about. Uh, we are partnering with people, people that are making a difference, people that are being used of God. And see, the Philippian Christians believe that. This was worth their sacrifice. And so we need to, uh, to understand that. The China Inland Mission was a faith mission. And then uh, Hudson Taylor wanted to reach every province. And God stirred the hearts of many English businessmen and just people, uh, even though there was not a request for funds. And they miraculously gave the funds by the Lord's leadership that allowed China to have every province reached with at least a gospel station before the death of Hudson Taylor. That's what we're talking about. And there's going to be blessing at the judgment seat for those men that led out in England as well as Hudson Taylor and the missionaries that were in China. And we're not only co-laborers with God's servant, but even more importantly, we're co-laborers with the Lord. We're in a divine partnership. I mean, folks, this is just awe-inspiring when you think of the fact that we, when we serve the Lord and when we give, we are actually one with the God of heaven in accomplishing this major work that he wants to accomplish around the world. 1 Corinthians 3.9, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. It is a divine partnership. And that's the kind of heart that is such a, makes such a difference in ministry. There was a quiet little man who would go uh, in front of uh, uh, a uh, uh, servant of the Lord's house on a regular basis as a vendor of fruits and vegetables. He passed that door every day. And uh, one day, this uh, man that lived there picked up a small notebook where this wagon usually stood. On the first page, he was much surprised to find these words, for his body's sake, which is the church. Well, throughout the book were scriptural quotations and uh, many other notations like this. Uh, these people were absent from Sunday school last Sunday. Be sure to visit them. Ask about the sick baby. Leave fruit for the blind lady. Speak a word of cheer to the old crippled man. Invite that new family you met to church services. Well, the next day, the man that found the book handed it to the humble fruit peddler with the question, I wonder, did you drop this yesterday? He says, yes, indeed. It is my book of reminders, as I call it. Thank you. I told him I had glanced at the contents and was a bit surprised at their unusual character. Well, he answered, pointing to the first page text, this is my motive, my reason for doing these things, for his body's sake, which is the church. Remember, the church is the body of Christ. Then with an illuminating smile, this man said, he added, you see, it keeps my soul out of the dust. <laughs> and folks, we live in the dust all the time. And I totally concur with this vendor. I'm telling you, when you understand you are in a divine a partnership, you are a partaker of the divine nature, you have a chance to, to serve the Lord, which will have eternal uh, impact it changes everything about life. 
And thank God for people that have that kind of heart. And see, when you're involved in ministry, you want to be involved. And the giving just flows out of the fact that we're in a divine mission and I am a co-laborer with the Lord. And then also, just another very important thought as we finish this up, sacrifice, this kind of sacrifice is pleasing to the Lord. If you look with me back, if you would, at verse 18. But I have all in abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things that were sent from you. He was so thankful. They were a blessing. An odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. The thing that touched his heart because he was so burdened for these dear people, now these many years they had been so faithful, he realized that what they were doing pleased the Lord, certainly encouraged him, but they were well-pleasing to the Lord. And folks, our heart cry ought to be, is heaven taking notice of what I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to do? Am I pleasing God today? Don't you enjoy making somebody you love happy? It's just fun. I mean, it's just, that's, you just love to do that. Well, if we say, my Jesus, I love thee, it would seem to follow that one of the controlling motives of our heart ought to be, am I making him happy today? My attitudes, my perspective, my priorities, my sacrifice. Am I truly pleasing God today? 2 Corinthians 2.14, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor, a sweet fragrance of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. It's a great testimony to others, but also God takes note. I always am stirred when I read the book of Revelation how that the prayers of the saints uh, were the incense going up at the throne. God heard your prayers if you prayed today. God knows your heart right now. And if you are humbly serving him and you, as best you know how, are surrendered to him and the spirit of God is in control, you are pleasing him. You know, we know that that's the case because the Lord said to Satan, see Job, see Job. Has the Lord ever said, see you? Put your name in there. Do we encourage him? How much is he well pleased with us? And then, of course, the greatest opportunity, as we often mention, is to please the Lord at that coming judgment seat of Christ. When all of heaven and earth of believers and angelic creatures are assembled, and there believing mankind is standing before the Savior, we will be known as we are known. And that which was done in our lives will be manifest. We will not be judged for our sin, but we will be made manifest who we really are. What God has been able to do, his greatness will either be seen in a wonderful way or a limited way. And frankly, that was one of the greatest motivations of the Apostle Paul to please God at that moment. It is God's working through us that is the fragrance that pleases him. David Brainerd, that great young missionary that sacrificed his life uh, for the Native Americans, said to Jonathan Edwards, 
I do not go to heaven to be advanced, but to give honor to God. It is no matter where I be stationed in heaven, whether I have a high or low seat there, but to live and please and glorify God. My heaven is to please God and glorify Him and give all to Him and to be wholly devoted to His glory. You see, that was the secret why there was actual revival in the Delaware nation. That shouldn't have happened. Why is it that some just seem to have such a measure of the power of God? It's because they have come to the place that all that matters is pleasing Him, glorifying Him. And my friends, we all have an appointment at the judgment seat of Christ. And as I've often said, I want to remind you the rapture could be today. And I don't know exactly how it will go, but it could be in the next short time, weeks and months that we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It could happen in what we call the year 2022. Somehow we think it's out there a long way. And we say, even so come Lord Jesus. But is our life a sweet smelling savor to God? Will the angels see the glory of the Savior through what he's been able to do in our lives? That's a motivation. And so the Apostle Paul says to these dear folks, my needs have been met, and that's a wonderful thing. But what is even more glorious is that you have pleased God. And for that I am grateful, for that is the reason for us to live. Let's bow for prayer.